the Retro Lounge as they look back into the archives of the Recruiters Lounge podcast with Jim Stroud and Karen Matinen. The Recruiters Lounge podcast posted weekly between the years of 2005 and 2010. With energy, wit, and opposite points of view, <laughs> Jim Stroud and Karen Madden discussed, debated, and squabbled like children over HR issues that affected the workplace and society overall for the benefit of all who would listen. Okay, this episode of the Recruiter's Lounge podcast dates back to July 1st, 2010. This is the uh, original title. Podcast, 40 is the new 100, or are you too old to work here? And actually, yes, I look at this uh, archived footage. This is actually, I think, episode number two of the HR Smackdown. Now, the HR Smackdown was an experiment Karen and I did. I think we did two or three episodes of the podcast in this format. Turns out we didn't like it. We went back to the uh, podcast format that we originally pioneered and and liked. So there you go. So when it starts off with HR SmackDown, that's what it is. It's still the, the Recruiter Science Podcast Rector episode. is just an experiment from that time. So this is the uh, description there. Jim and Karen banter about age discrimination and looking for work in a sucky economy. Hey, Google, is it true that you're over the hill when you hit 40? Plus, working as a contractor versus working as an employee, which is better? Ah, you think you know, but do you really? Tune in for a very interesting take on that question. And stay tuned, and you'll hear what we said back on, what did I say it was? Yes, July 1st. 2010. After this special message. Recruitment marketing, as compared to maybe employer branding, is all about getting your message and your story in front of the right audience. It's a lot to manage, and what Practice Talent does for our clients is we help centralize so you have one partner, one vendor to help you manage all those relationships. And not only that, we help you track the effectiveness of every media dollar you spend on hiring so that you know in real time that you're getting the greatest ROI for your marketing investment to attract great talent into your company. We help our clients with recruitment marketing in a couple ways. One is a recruitment marketing strategy. And with that, we really take the time to help you build the right strategy and then we get mutual approval on that strategy before you spend a single dime. The other way we do this is through our agency of record service. This is a partnership with you where we're able to reach out to publishers on your behalf to negotiate better pricing, to execute on media campaigns, uh, and really act as an extension of your team. Some of the benefits that our clients have seen working with Practice Talents Recruitment Marketing Services is an overall reduction of 30% cost per applicant. That's really significant. It's showing that we're able to leverage great technology, programmatic, and we're also flexible and scalable. We're platform agnostic. We're always gonna use whatever the greatest and latest technology is, whatever the best platforms are to help create efficiencies in your media purchasing so that you're always on the cutting edge. For more information on Proactive Talent, visit them online at proactivetalent.com or click the link in the podcast description. Uh, where someone was doing Google or at least oh, yeah. 
Impact episode of the HR Smackdown. I'm your host of the most, Jim Stroud, and with me as always, as always, as always, is Karen Madden. Okay. How are you, Karen? Kirk. Nothing. No beauty, no wonderful, no beauty. Nothing. I'm doing something different. I asked you want to start off, you didn't want to. Oh, that's true. Oh, hey, you've got the cold, so I wanted to kind of like stretch your misery. <laughs> I mean, you sound so hoarse, I had to like, you know. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I, I, I should be asleep, but I should be doing. I work too much. I think I do. You do. You absolutely do, but you seem I to do. love it. So, you know, but that's what makes you such an expert, too, right? Uh, expert is subjective. I, I know what I know. Is that objective or subjective? That's what I said. It's subjective. Oh, I think uh, you said objective. Just, I, I just know what I know. I All right. Well, I think you're an expert, so I think most people agree with me, too. And I don't feel as loved as everybody else does, but that's okay. I guess that's what happens when you're so close to like, family, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I suppose. That's All right, so it's been a while. How you been doing? I've been doing pretty good. I've been actually, you know what, I've been thinking about um, doing a webinar for job seekers because I, I keep hearing so many, so many reports about how bad the economy is and how rough it is for people out here, and it's really bad, and I know a lot of people um, who do manage to get interviews. Um, sometimes I think they become their own worst enemy because it's almost like if you're out of, depending on how long you've been out of work, mm-hmm. sometimes has bearing as to how well you do in an interview. I think we were talking about that the other day when I was walking, right? Right, we were. I mean, and I think that's subjective too. I mean, we can all paint people into a little hole, but that was a question that was on LinkedIn recently. They were asking if an individual who'd been out of work would bring a more negative personality or negative persona or attitude to the interview than someone who, say, had been less out of work. Hmm. And I think you and I had a disagreement a little bit there where I felt, well, that it depended basically on the individual, but I think also on how they got fired was my first thought. So yeah, I remember, okay, I remember our conversation now. Because you you were saying that it depends on how they were fired, with it will bear um, to how they do in the next interview. I think so. I mean, and I was and I was saying it depends on the person. And I think you're right there too, because the more I thought about that, I also thought, you know, and I hate to play this card here too. But this is some reality here, and this is based upon some of the comments that were online, because this one individual had said, well, they don't want to hire anybody that's unemployed because they're not they're not as pleasant. They have been out of work, so they're not going to also have a really good work ethic. And I'm thinking, look, what? yeah, exactly. You've been out of work for a while, so that means you're going to lose your work ethic, and I mean, people have got that attitude. Okay, the way I look at it this way, okay, I'm a diverse person. And most people say, well, 
if you've got, if you feel like you've been discriminated, you usually bring it on yourself, or you can't just tell if somebody's discriminating. And no matter how hard somebody's trying not to discriminate against me, I could smell it from a mile away. Even if it's kind of, bit, you know, even if, the more that they try not to hide it, the more I can sense it. Unfortunately, is, is that like a is that like a gaydar kind of thing? It's kind of like a gator. I mean, living in California, it doesn't come out. It's not as prevalent. It doesn't happen as often. And if it does, it's kind of a more amusing. But it's kind of like this. It's like, okay, a person goes into an interview. And let's look at, first off, the demographics right now of today of the economy, okay? Yeah. Meaning of the unemployed. The demographics right now of the unemployed are, for long-term unemployed, are predominantly older and Absolutely, um, black males. Black males right now, unemployment is two times as high. That's, that the, part of the, wait, that's, part. that's the that's the Bureau of Labor Statistics you're quoting, right? Right, and it's actually more than twice, by the way. But this is now now. Last time somebody and I had a discussion about that, they said, "Well, yeah, but that's mostly because black people are in construction." I'm saying, "No, listen, this is based upon apples to apples, oranges to oranges, straight across the board." So if a guy is going to be going for a job and he's black male and he's got a college degree, a Ph.D., and he's going in for the same job as his white male counterpart with this equivalent he, or experience or even under him, he is not likely to get the job. And, and the reason for that is, is discrimination? Well, that's straight across the board. I mean, right now, as I remember, okay, can I make a comment here about this too? Not too long ago, and I got called a troll for this, by the way, okay, there was this recruiter who works for a Fortune 50 company, actually Fortune 5, and this individual who's the head of the recruiting department said, if a candidate submitted a resume with what you got, and that's it, she wouldn't even consider the, the candidate. And I'm like, well, why would you, I said, if the candidate was coming from, let's say the company was Microsoft and the candidate was coming from Yahoo, so I'm going to use this as an example, so not to go ahead and disclose the identity of the company Thanks. that this person works for. So I said, if Thanks. the candidate was coming from Yahoo, your competitor, you'd say no to the candidate just because? He said, I said, why would you do that? And he said, well, if I've got to teach you email at our recruiting etiquette, then I, this would be too long of a, a story. And I said, but if your candidate is coming from your competitor and is highly qualified, why would you care? How I mean, the guy's got a job, he's doing well, and he wants to know what you got. Our job's not, and I said, our job's not to be mismanners. Our job's to find the best qualified candidate for our client companies or for the people we work for, not to be mismanners. And to which I got called a troll, by the way, for that comment, Okay. I, I just, actually, what they said, they responded back first, was that today the market was more candidate-driven, actually more, more in favor for the companies, and candidates needed to mind their P&Qs. And I'm like, nice, and this is where I came back and said, actually, okay, tomorrow, today that might be the case, but tomorrow the candidates are going to remember your treatment. Do you, and, and the fact that you're writing about this on Twitter is not too smart. So that's when I got called a troll. But the point I'm making here is if you've been out of work for such a long time and you've got employers treating you like that, wouldn't you really get a negative attitude? 
Well, yeah, but again, it's, it's not a subjective thing because one employer may have treated you bad, and one recruiter may treat you bad. Doesn't mean that all recruiters are going to treat you bad. That's true. You got to go into each situation and consider its own individual uh, situation. I, I agree with what you're saying, but you know, like there's like you've been okay. Let's say you've been out of work for a year, okay, and I'm kind of I know I'm painting with a broad brush. But you've been out of work for a year, and you go on these recruiting websites. And you got to admit, these recruiting websites, recruiters like on Facebook and Twitter and all these places, they say some of the most abusive, abrasive things about candidates. And candidates read these things. They read things like they see job ads. Like, in fact, you and I were talking about this. They'll see job ads, unemployed, need not apply. Yeah, or, we talked about that on the previous podcast. I remember that. Yeah, or college degrees only. Like, why would you need a college degree for a secretary, administrative assistant, but there is a company that did do that, okay? Or you see these kind of jobs over and over and over. After a while, wouldn't you get a little bit frustrated and dejected? So my question is, are we not bringing that mentality to the candidates? Are we not feeding it? You know what what would behoove a candidate, and actually um, – this was a brilliant idea. I read this, actually, a suggestion that I read from, um, uh, whose blog was it? Bill Vick. Yeah, Bill Vick wrote this. Actually, no, it was on his blog. It was actually a guest post. Okay. But it was on Bill Vick's Boomer blog. I forget. I'll, I'll have to link to it on, on the um, on the show notes. But uh, what the person suggested was that a, a passive job seeker or an even active job seeker should take the time to research a good recruiter. Yeah, and well, I wrote about that. And one suggestion that he said was um, try to find a recruiter that specializes in your niche and not a recruiter that does everything. Maybe you didn't read it on Bill Vick. Maybe you read that just recently on my my tips to candidates on on Harris Hendricks because that's my most recent article. Maybe maybe that's where I read it. Yeah. Or maybe I read them both places. I don't know. Because that's the article I have right now, Viewpoint on Harris-Centrics, which, by the way, has been retweeted tremendously. Thank you to everybody who yeah, has. How can, how can people, yeah, let me, let me just get a quick plug there. How can people find your site, Karen? What's the address? Harris-Centrics, and that's C-E-N-T-R-I-X.com. And it's for recruiters. It's for HR. It's for anybody who's hiring people. And it's even for the employees, too. We even have suggestions to help protect yourself, how to go ahead and look for a job. But our main focus is to, you know, educate the HR and recruiters to do a better job. Kind of like what we're doing on on the um, on the HR SmackDown. Thank you for that shameless plug. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> but I so, mean, yeah, that's a good. But you know what? How many job seekers will take the time to research recruiters as opposed to just going to okay. and it's looking the, at jobs? I'm going to do that. I'm going to say this. How many job seekers automatically assume that a recruiter is professional? Just because they said the word professional. Well, that's true, too. I mean, where have we – okay, you wrote a really good piece. Now we're talking about articles today. You wrote a really good piece that I'm going to actually present out on the Hire-Centric site soon, a great idea that will never happen. It was one of the most amazing pieces. In fact, if I remember correctly, that was while you and I got introduced to each other 10 years ago. Has it been 10 years? Yeah, it's been about 10 years, yeah. And it was about creating the standards or setting a standard for recruiters, you know, allowing people to understand what recruiters are about and who they are and 
And, and that's the biggest problem, I think, that job seekers, and this is one of the reasons I was trying to say, was like the my, my article was called The Candidate's Rights in the Recruiting Process. And by the way, I wrote this article back in 2001, okay? Actually, it was 1999. Um, it's been a long time. When I wrote this article, one of the things that I always felt disturbed about was that candidates always assume that we recruiters or even HR managers know what we're doing automatically, that we all know what we're doing, that we all have this goal. We all went to school to become recruiters, and there's a special training and there's a special code of conduct that we all abide by, and we all try to live up to the right standards and we all try to do the right thing. And they don't recognize that, and my, I think my husband, Brad, says it perfectly, you know. He says, you know, they don't realize that we make a lot of money to do what we do, a lot of money. And as my husband says, in America, you can get a man killed for about 500 bucks. You can get the job done well for about $1,500. Yes, scary that he knows this. But can you imagine well, what Brazil would do? on his good side. <laughs> he is a good guy. But you can imagine, what he says, what a person would do for about ten to 15000 which is an average fee for a recruiter. Right. Well, if you consider, too, that the recruiting job is one of the most high-stress high jobs and the highest turnover jobs that this industry, I mean, in any industry ever. In fact, a friend of mine, I think a friend of yours, too, Marie Journey, and I were discussing that yesterday. You know, how easy and how fast the turnover is, and it has a very high rate of alcoholism and drug abuse, yes, in, than any other industry. It's really surprising, especially when you go to parties. And you see, these guys love to party, right? Well, the thing about uh, it is there's no standard for recruiters. Anybody can become a recruiter. In fact, all you have to do is, steal, you know, steal a telephone, steal a laptop, and you can call yourself a professional recruiter. So well, that was part think? of the, I think that was, that was part of what the article was, was, I wrote about talking about how it needs to be uh, some kind of certification and you need to like you have to be licensed before you can be a barber. Right. Yeah. To, to go cut someone's fingernails in most right. to to sell a car, you have to have a license. You have to have a registration. But to go ahead and I think that's what you were doing in your article. A great idea that never would never happen. You know, and this is why I've been fighting for for a while is to create some is to have some set of standards in our industry that protect not just the candidates but also the companies, because companies also need to be protected from what we do as well. Right. So, but that's not that's a different story. But here it is: is that I'm thinking I'm thinking if you've got more and more recruiters out for the buck, you've got more and more in-house recruiters or sourcers and stuff. We're constantly barraging candidates with SMS messaging, which, by the way, many people don't realize is illegal, okay, and making them pay tons of money for these messages that they didn't want. And they're barraging them with, I've got this perfect job for you, but you've never even picked up the phone to call the candidate to figure out what the perfect job would be for them. Or you got, And then you get these people all interested, and then you go, sorry, I won't even respond to your email, or I won't even respond to your phone call. You forget that these people are human beings. So isn't it any wonder that these people are coming into interviews after a year somewhat dejected? Hmm. I mean, no, no. not bringing that on then? Well, again, I still think it's subjective. I still think it, it depends on the person. You know, I, One thing, as you were saying that, though, it made me wonder something else that I had read um, recently. I think it was in... 
I want to say the UK, but uh, for some reason, I, th- I think it was here in the States. Yeah, yeah, it was in the States, but I think they were talking about it in the UK as well, about raising the uh, official retirement age. Yeah, know? they are. And, um, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, it was here because yeah. I, I tweeted it. Actually, I tweeted it just the other day. And anybody who wants to connect with me on Twitter, you can find me at twitter.com slash Jim Stroud. And I'm or, Yes, H-I-R-E-C-N-T-R-X. Yay, thank you. He loves me. And, and um, what kind of, how would that affect the workplace, I wonder? Well, when you're actually, having... we need it. I mean, first off, do you remember how for a long time ago, I kept saying there was not going to be a labor shortage. And how many people laughed at me because, like, oh, God, you're crazy. There's going to be a labor shortage. All of these people are going to retire. There's going to be this crack labor shortage, right? Uh, I remember. But the problem is is that supply and demand. We're not going to have a labor shortage because, A, people can't retire, can't afford to retire. Uh, this is before recession, too, before I was saying this, Okay. And then you've got the, the fact that the baby boomers is actually larger, um, not sorry, Generation Y is actually larger than the baby boomers in regards to demographics. People don't recognize that either. And as the baby boomer actually ends up retiring, if they ever get a chance to, you'll find that there's going to be less. They're already spending less. They themselves are spending less. They're actually buying more for their kids, the Generation Y, but... They actually are spending less money. They are keeping on to cars longer now. And the people that used to spend money like crazy are now buying, are now holding on to their money tighter. Well, they're going to have to, they can't afford to retire and they want to work longer. So in reality, I don't, I think by the time that our kids, kids are ready to consider, I know, in the workplace, I don't think there's going to be such a thing called retirement anymore. You should work till you die. Well, I mean, yeah, sad but true. I mean, who's going well, – first off, people don't even want to take vacations anymore. They're too scared to. Yeah, that's true. I've, I've read articles about that. You know, people are scared to get take sick days. People are nervous. Well, I guess except for Generation Y, they think they rule the world. But, okay, that's a different story. Hmm. But, they, you know, people are so nervous about even just going ahead and saying, boss, I'm feeling sick right now. I've got a cold. I may have, you know, swine flu. I need to not be in the office. They don't even want to do that. They're going to come home. They're going to go to work, even if it means making everybody else sick because they're scared of losing their job. Well, and that was even before recession. Well, let me ask you this. Now, with the, with the um, official retirement age inching up, I think it's going to be, um, what is it now, 65? I think it's 65. Well, there's official retirement age of 65, but they can't fire you, and you don't have – they can't force you to retire. Right, right. So I think they're going to change that to 66 and then gradually on up to – I think it was 68 that they're planning to make it in, in England. 68 in England? Yeah, I think Great Britain was saying that they were going to do it to 68. If I remember, it was a while back that I heard about it, but I think it was 68. I, I'm wondering when that happens. When this, this, the retirement age starts going up, um, will, uh, will we do away with age discrimination, or at least we'll start? Ah, so let, 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 let me wait, wait, wait. Let me let me say this because I tweeted this earlier, and we were talking when we start talking about age discrimination, and, and I mean not age discrimination, but people um, the retirement age um, going up. It made me think about this company that everybody knows and loves and, and uses all the time. I know I'm on their their site all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'll say the company because I'm going to link to this story in, in the show notes. Um, Google. Okay. Um, 
somebody somebody was uh, it was a, a article uh, where someone was suing Google or at least oh, yeah. the they over, because they were too old. They were over, they were over forty. Yeah, they were over forty. They were and, out and weren't keeping up. They just weren't with it. They weren't preppy and everything. Right, because once they hit forty, they, and, and when I read that, it reminded me of this. And this this will date me, but it used to be a movie. Uh, actually, a short-lived TV series, but uh, it started off with a movie called Logan's Run. Do you remember that that yes, movie or the TV series? Yeah, and for those who who aren't old, <laughs> who don't remember that movie, it was a situation where everyone in society was young. Everybody was under under thirty, and when you turned thirty in the society, then you were um, placed in a stadium and you had to literally run for your life, and if you managed to escape and you lived outside of the city in some paradise, but if you died, if you got killed by the people that were hunting you, then you'll be reincarnated into a younger, beautiful person. And so the whole um, the whole theme of the movie or the series was that um, youth was so prized and so appreciated that nobody wanted to be old at all. And so you wouldn't and live past 30. why plastic killed. surgery is such a wonderful thing today, right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Oh my God! Used today. Okay, but go ahead. So, I won't so even when, I, so when I read that story about about the guy turning forty and then being kicked out, or you know, allegedly, I'm gonna say allegedly because I don't know, um, uh, out of out of Google. It's a major uh, lawsuit, but go ahead. Yeah, this could turn to forty. Maybe think about Logan's run. Like, uh, I'm, I'm hitting that number, so I need to run before I'm either killed, you know, uh, or 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 um, escape. Did you were hitting that number, Jim. Who? Yeah. Did you just say you were hitting that number? Oh no, I'm past forty. So I'm saying that it made me think about it made me think about the guy in the, in the movie Logan when he had to make a run for it when he turned thirty. So it was thirty in the, in the seventies. It was thirty, and I guess now in the twenty tens, it's it's forty. Forty is a new thirty, yeah. yeah. Actually, fifty is a new thirty. Well, whatever. Whatever. I'm just glad uh, I don't okay. have to go running. Oh, and what you just said, okay? And I'm, I want to clarify something too. Right now, age discrimination is at the highest it's ever been, ever. I mean, it's, like, totally outrageously high. And then you go back to that person that worked for that huge corporation I was talking about who said it's a com- the company's, this is a company market, not a candidate market. They can choose whoever they want. Candidates need to be aware of that. Well, I mean, seriously, with that kind of mentality, a person can then go ahead and say, I'm going to go ahead and base – my selection on candidates, not based upon what I need to get the job done, but what I want, my subjective feelings, not my objective qualifiable or quantifiable um, job description or necessities, okay, objective, what's the word I'm looking for? I forget the word I'm looking for. But Intuition. What I need to get the job done, the, right. the absolutely objective um skills that I need to get the job done. I'm going to base upon what I want the person to be like. This is why discrimination today is rampant. I mean, you can't it's, – it's just shocking to say apples to apples that, you know, a black man is not going to get a job, and especially the darker the person is, the also less likely they are going to get the job. Or the more heavy set the person is, the less likely they're going to get the job because a person can base their selection – based upon the fact that they know for every one candidate that they can turn on, there's 10 others they can look at. You know what what I want to see? I want to see some numbers around 
people who are becoming entrepreneurs in this day and time. Oh, there are some really good numbers about that because of this. There's a, right now the small business or what we call contractors, which the mm-hmm. legitimate term contractor, not the illegal terminology of contractor, but the individual who's a contractor who's starting a small business and actually working as a now a young business, there it's gone it's it's really outrageously high again. And then I say again because this was like this back in the eighties as well especially for women because back then it was a woman who were being more discriminated against than a man. This is why this is called a pink a pink collar recession. Mm. So this is a recession that's more in favor for women. Which brings me to another conversation. Think about this. Because somebody asked me, why do you think that women are getting to keep jobs more so than men? And I said, it's because women have always been paid less to do the same work. So if you're going to get rid of someone, why not get rid of the guy who's going to be costing more and keep the woman who's got the kids and isn't married and know that she's not going to harangue and ask for a raise? Well, I think it's going to change. I think it's going to change in, in the, probably in the next generation because there are more women by by far in, in um, higher institutions of learning than men. Yeah, but they're also, I hate to say this, but studies have proven that when women come out, in many of the managerial positions out of school, they're not adapting as well as the men are. Well, that's well, that's also assuming that by adapting, they're leaving the school and then joining uh, companies where the management is more dominated. I, I could easily see a lot of women um, uh, starting their own business and, and their own Fortune 50 companies and taking over big time. That's happened before, but a lot of women are actually, it's not. Well, I think a, it's going to be a phenomenon, actually. I think it's going to be a phenomenon. I don't think generation. so, because right now, women business is not, has not been as big in regards to growth as it was back in the 80s. Unfortunately, a lot more women today are working for companies rather than going ahead out there and taking the risk or chance. And I mean, I'm sorry, but I don't know as many women entrepreneurs today as I used to back then. It was like almost every woman I knew was an entrepreneur, but today I hear more women saying they're too nervous or too scared. What's interesting, a lot of them are willing to take an illegal contract job. They're willing to go ahead and sell themselves out. I mean, they'll think that they're making $100,000 on an illegal contract job where the company is 1090-ing them, even though they're employees, and they're losing about $40,000. Define a legal contract job a little bit more for people who won't think you're talking about prostitution or something. Okay, and I actually can take go back to higher centers too because I have a really good article asking question about why would anyone take a contract job, a 1099 versus a W-2. An illegal contract job is when a company decides to go ahead and hire you on a 1099 instead of a W-2, even though they're treating you completely 100% as an employee. You are an employee. You're being, they're being told what to do. You're making attending meetings. You're, they pay for your expenses. You have to go ahead. You have, their, their clients are your clients. You don't have your own. And they set your hours, your timesheets, whatever. Okay? You are mandated to be able to, you have to use their business uh, name on your business card, in other words. When you pick up the phone, you're saying, hey, Karen Bennett, I'm working for XYZ Company, instead of saying, I'm working for my own. That there are all, there's so many different principles that kind of like come down. There's no more a 20, there's not a 20 list rule that could be IRS anymore, by the way. There's three standards, you know, based upon control. Do they manage who you do? Do they manage what you do, 
who you speak to, how you do it, and how you your salary and how you're paid. These are the little things that can variably tell if you're a contractor. Problem is with this is the reason companies do this is that, that they don't have to pay your taxes. See, you have a tax burden that you're supposed to pay, but your company is supposed to match you 50%. They're also supposed to match you 50% on your Social Security, and they're supposed to match you, say, 50% on your unemployment benefits. They're actually supposed to pay your unemployment benefits. So when you leave, you have to, you don't have to worry about paying this huge tax bill because they're paying it for you. And then on top of that, they give their their employees um, medical benefits, they're supposed to give it to you as well. So they're, so I was we were talking to a friend of mine the other today about this, and I kind of did the math with him. And I said, if you're making $100,000 and you lose your job, and include losing your job, do you realize that in one year you lost about a good fifty to sixty thousand dollars just by not by by working in your own in all that overhead that they didn't pay you? Because if you stay out of work for a year, you're going to have all that money being lost because you didn't get unemployment that they were supposed to pay for, and your Social Security and your health benefits and everything else. And I said, you know, and you think because you're willing to take that $100,000 job um, rather than take the 70000 you think, oh, I'm going to make more money, but you're not. In reality, if you think about you're not going to be in a higher tax bracket, you're not paying all your taxes, so therefore you're going to have a $70,000 salary. They're probably going to just take out maybe at best, you know, 20000 from taxes. But, on t- but if you're doing it all on your own, then you're taking out near half. So you're not making more money. So it's all a matter of just looking at the numbers. It's really looking at the numbers and then also looking at when you lose your job, because you will lose your job because you're on contract, because guess what? They're less likely to fire you if you're an employee because who wants to have to pay unemployment benefits, right? So you are actually got a little bit more safety, too, in regards to the fact that your job safety and also they can't discriminate against you either and they can't sexually harass you because you have all that safety and you're an employee, too. So when you're going ahead and working as an employee, you're saving more money, you're making more money, and you're also, when you leave, there's another twenty, thirty, or $50,000 that's going to be going into your pocket for unemployment that you can't count when you were working as a contractor. These numbers really do add up to a huge amount, and people don't see the big picture because they say, well, and what I ask is, why do you like being a contractor? They say, well, I like the security of it. I like the fact that I can call my own hours. Well, duh, if you're working from home as a legal employee, you still can get to do that. But actually, you really don't get to call your own hours because, really, are you going to, you're on a contract basis. Are you really not going to work hard so they won't get rid of you? Your job, more you're in more of a perilous situation. So I think it's just an illusion. Now, I own a business as a recruiter. I can tell you one thing. I don't make a salary, but here's the thing. I make about 10 times as much as any recruiter does, and it's all mine. For every placement I make, I don't make a 5000 a month salary. I'm taking home twenty, thirty, or 40000 So to me, I don't mind paying the taxes of 50% on that because at least I know I'm getting all of that. And there you go. And we're about out of time. Um, for those, if you have a question, 
you like to pose to either Karen or myself, feel free to reach out to us. You can reach Karen at Karen at HigherCentrics.com, or you can reach me, Jim Stroud, at JimStroud.com. It's Karen okay. M. at HigherCentrics. Karen M. That's mm-hmm. right. Thank you for correcting me, at HigherCentrics.com. Mm-hmm. So until next time, we're going to bid you adieu. Karen, say bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. This is the HR Smackdown. HR Smackdown. HR Smackdown. Some of the music provided tonight from Nevio's Music Alley. Check it out at music.nevio.com. And so this ends this edition of the Retro Lounge, home of classic episodes of the Recruiter's Lounge podcast. If you haven't already, uh, subscribe now so you don't miss a future episode. Okay? Cool. Until next time, bye-bye. That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware. When your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come true. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe.